Today's guest began as most training professionals begin their business by working for ourselves. Kevin Eikenberry moved from a corporate career at Chevron 28 years ago and began his own leadership training brand. These days, Kevin has four parts to his training and development business focused on frontline and remote leadership, disc assessment, and of course, his one-to-one coaching and speaking for which he charges a premium. In order to spread his message and have even more impact and make more money serving clients, Kevin has had to do a number of things, including growing his team of training associates so he can scale his business. Kevin's leadership development programs, his books, and online courses have, of course, created a stream of business leads, which brings in more business than would be possible if he were by himself. So in today's episode, what exactly made Kevin Eikenberry get into L&D in the first place? How he scaled from a team of one, just himself, to 14 people, full-time employee and associates? What Kevin did to figure out his exact training niche? And which things he's learned along the way, which he can share with you? This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey! And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. It's another Thursday, and it's time to bring you another guest on this weekly podcast. Every Thursday, you'll find, without fail, an interview with someone who is out there in the training business world. Sometimes there are just episodes where it's just you and I as we're talking over some topic together, which can help you on your training business journey. But if you're a coach, if you're a facilitator, if you're a trainer, if you're a consultant in the sphere or the world of helping people with your expertise to be the very best that they can be through programs, through books, workshops, courses, well, this is the podcast for you. And every Thursday, it's my pleasure to bring you an episode of the podcast. You can find all episodes, past, present, and future, on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and so many other platforms, which I can't even mention because there are plenty of them out there. I would love you to subscribe. Could you please do that? Because that would mean so much to me and the team and helps me to validate what we do each week and bring more kinds of episodes like those ones to your inbox to you every single Thursday without fail. Kevin, hi, welcome to the show. Mark, it is a pleasure to be with you. You're speaking to me live from Indianapolis today. Um, it's about, what, nearly midday your time. Um, and there are four parts to your business, effectively. You have DISC assessment, uh, frontline leadership. Why don't you tell people listening what the four parts are of the Kevin Eikenberg group. Sure. I'm happy to. So yeah, as you said, we have a DISC assessment that we created. Obviously, DISC is in the public domain, so there are lots of people that have those. And one of the folks on our team uh, is a true expert. And uh, a long time ago, we created an assessment. And so we have a DISC assessment. We have uh, two pieces of the business that are largely connected to books. Uh, One is our new and frontline leader part of the business, which is framed around our book and work called From Bud to Boss. We have the um, work that's around remote leadership, remote teams, 
the future of work stuff that's all based around it's called the remote leadership institute and it's all based around uh, our books the long distance leader and the long distance teammate and then we have sort of the core original business which is uh, around leadership development um, and, and that sort of thing okay so disk assessment frontline leadership remote leadership institutes um, and then of course your personal brand Kevin Eikenberry coaching speaking and so on so if we go back in time, you worked, according to your LinkedIn profile, for Chevron, so a huge corporation. What made you move from sales slash marketing into training? And then what made you take that leap into working for yourself as your own L&D business? Well, I, I grew up in a family farm and related ag businesses. So I had a background in um, in in small business and entrepreneurship. So I always sort of knew, Mark, that's where I would end up. I went to work for Chevron because it was a great organization. I had to get a chance to work for some great people. And as you said, I started out in sales and marketing. And very early in my time there, I had the chance to do some sales training for some of my customers. And uh, um, as is often the case, people think that you did something relatively well and you express some small amount of interest and they give you the chance to do more of it, which was sort of how it innocently started. I had taught in graduate school and all those sorts of things, done a lot of public speaking throughout college, but that that all sort of pointed me in that general direction. I took some courses at Cal Berkeley uh, in adult learning and sort of found my way from sales and marketing in the in the chemical business into the corporation in, in a in a training role and became responsible ultimately for the training of trainers for Chevron worldwide. Okay. So with that in mind, you found you liked training. You then realized, hey, I could do this for a living. So people like to train, they like to facilitate, they like to coach. That's why they listen to this podcast. But that isn't enough if you want to make a business out of it, right? So you have to no, you have to, as you described it to me when we first spoke, that's table stakes. That's the stuff that gets you the seat at the table. But creating a unique, differentiated talent development brand identity, deciding your ideal customer profile, creating a portfolio of products, programs, marketing, that's where the work begins. So let's talk about that for you. What was it like to go from, okay, working in L&D, hey, I like this, I'm good at this, to now making this a business and all those tasks that you have to do to actually make sure money comes in and people knock on your door. Yeah. So, so I'll go back to what I said before, which was I, when I went to work for Chevron, you know, my long-term goal was to work for myself, to start a company. That was my background. That was sort of my plan and my goal, Mark. And so I think maybe I come at this differently than many. Many come at this like, hey, I found this uh, vocation that I love, training, now I want to go do it all the time where I already knew I wanted to have a business. And then I figured out that training was the business. So maybe I came at it from a different spot, but it doesn't matter where you're coming at it from. It only matters now what you do from there. And as, as you said, uh, for all of you out there who are really good trainers, consultants, and coaches, I'm sure that's true. But that's not enough. In fact, being the best at the work isn't any guarantee that you'll even get work, let alone be have a successful business. And we could go through a long litany of people who's, let's just take one. So some of you probably heard of Mrs. Fields Cookies. Mrs. Fields 
had made a good cookie, but she didn't become Mrs. Fields because of her cookie recipe. It was a whole bunch of other decisions that led to that. And, and, and to your point, I think maybe I came into it, Mark, with a different perspective, which meant that I was spending as much time thinking about, learning about, studying about marketing. And as you said, I had a sales background uh, that I, I think maybe while I made many, many mistakes, um, set me off on a slightly different path than others might might start off on. So let's talk about some of those mistakes, because we've all made them. Um, we assume that this stream of income will come to us once we leave corporate and we set up shop, we publish something, or we tell people about what we do. What was that like in terms of the, the lumpiness or the feast and famine? Because that's often what we experience when we go out for the first time that unpredictability of income streams. Yeah, I was fortunate when I first left Chevron to have, uh, we'll go into the long version of the story, but to have three or four internal Chevron clients that basically wanted me to work with them after I left, uh, which was wonderful, but was uh, a serious problem because fundamentally, I didn't have to go market for a while. And I'm guessing that many of you listening here have had that mode, as Mark said, of feast and famine. Man, I got clients, things are good, uh, the cash flow is good, and man, I don't have time to market, I don't have time to sell because I've got to deliver. This is what I wanted to do to start with. And then when the project ends or the client dries up or the client moves, the person moves to a new organization and they can't hire you, then the fall, the floor falls out of the, of the cash flow. So I think that that's, I think a big, you know, I had a big advantage when I started in that regard, but it didn't stay that way. And, and so I, it, it took me a while to figure out that I needed to be doing stuff all of the time to work on the business and not just in the business. And that's especially hard to do, Mark, when you know, as you know, when you're super busy doing delivery uh, for clients. So how did you adapt to that need? And, and and your phrase, I think, comes from Michael Gerber, who wrote the book all about, you know, it is. I think he's. We can credit him as probably the first to say that, or certainly to popularize that phrase. Uh, and and so it's not. It's not a. It's not a problem that only uh, afflicts those of us in the training business, but it, it's it's a reality, right? Oftentimes, we want to focus on what brought us here rather than than on what will help us be successful. So I would start by saying, okay, yes, perhaps you love training awesome. But why do you love training? Well, chances are you love it for reasons that relate to how many people that you can help and being of great, uh, being an inspiration or being an impetus or whatever you might say about that. And so if you reframe your why to how can I make sure I'm helping those people rather than how can I make sure I'm in a classroom, virtual or face-to-face, then that reframes us, our mindset to say, I've, it, it's in the client's best interest for me to keep making sure that I can be interacting with people rather than, man, I'm too busy to do that marketing stuff now. Marketing, we have to think of as part of us getting to our why, if that makes sense. I like that. Yeah. So you have to develop or had to develop um, a practice that serves your clients, but also serves Kevin Eikenberry. It keeps the money coming in. But then you decided to have bigger impact. So you asked yourself, how do I get to the stage so it's bigger than me? Um, I'm not in the training room all the time or 
dealing with clients, delivering programs all the time. So let's talk about scaling. You, you got to a stage where someone's doing bookings for you, running operations, client account management. What was that like and what were your first steps? Well, the first steps were I just needed I just needed some help, right? And at the very beginning, one of the first people that I brought on to, to the team was to help us with one of our first websites. And, and so, you know, I knew uh, early on that we needed to have an online presence. When I first started, there was no such thing as a website, but it wasn't long thereafter before that started happening. And and so, I just brought someone on to help with some of that. We had some some uh, learning-related consulting work that allowed us to, to leverage his time a bit. So it just sort of started that way. It took a while. Um, it took a while for us to get to the place where we needed someone else to replicate me in a classroom, if you will, right? But I realized that that's that if I wanted to have more than a practice, which was basically me, and there's zero wrong, Mark, with that business model, um, you know. But if you if you have a practice and you want to do the work, that's wonderful. But recognize that you're basically you can only trade uh, dollars for hours, right? Or 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 money for time, and, and so. I knew that I wanted because my goal was to help as many leaders as I could make as big a positive difference as I could. That meant that it had to be more than me because there's a limit to how many hours I can be awake and how many times I can be on an airplane and all that. So we we slowly moved in that direction and it took me um, not only the ability to let go, but the ability to create content that was replicatable rather than fully always customized sometimes based on what I was able to do, you know, in the moment with a client. So we had to have, we had to have content that was consistent enough that we could, that we could certify people against, if you will. So evergreen content. So people, clients of yours weren't getting value from you being in the room, which is, I mean, you still do that. People have to pay a premium though for, to to have you live and focused on them alone. But we're talking about the kinds of content through courses, through books that you wrote, and that brought your message to people who then said, well, actually, how can Kevin Eikenberry Group help us? And this enabled you to bring in associates, right? So you've got people under your umbrella who aren't exactly replicating you, but they're near enough so they can deliver your message to the marketplace in terms of dollars, you know, content and time. So many, so many of uh, of you that are listening, you know, you've gotten certified in in some content from someone else, and that's a great strategy, right? And so, um, what we needed to do was to be able to do that from the other with the other from the other side, right? So we needed to be the certifying body, and and that required us to have content that was that was solid, that was proven, that had credibility, Mark, to your point, and that then we could say, okay, this is the body of work that we're going to teach against. And in our case, that has generally started, although not always, has generally started with with a book or in connection to a book. So are you talking about the Institute of Remote Leadership specifically? Certainly that's one, as well as, uh, you know, our, our, our the area around our new and frontline supervisor work, which is based around the book From Bud to Boss. Okay, so, right. So the books in a way, um, that's the platform. And from this, then you have IP, intellectual property, some program then, which brings, converts this message into a program which you can monetize. 
Correct. And of course, having a, you know, what many people do is they write a book and then they try to figure out how to create a course from it. Um, That's not necessarily what we've done. In other words, if I'm going to write a book or the next book, it's, we've already predetermined how the coursework goes with it. And perhaps in some cases, like Bud DeBoss, the coursework preceded the book by almost two years to actually inform and create a better book. So um, we think of the publishing component of the business as a strategic part of what we're trying to create in the marketplace. Right. Because the way I've approached mine is that I would I wrote the book as I thought it would be helpful to people. And now I'm in the process of figuring out how to convert this into a course. But you're saying there's actually a better way to do this, which is to figure out the course and the program first and then write the book to to go with that. Is that fair enough? Well, Mark, I don't know if it's a better way. I just know it's the way we do it. It makes sense to me, right? Uh, because here's the, here's the bottom line to all of you that haven't yet written a book uh, is that you're never – never's a long time. You, you're, <laughs> it's highly unlikely that you're going to get rich from book royalties, right? So you have yeah. to figure out how the book royalties connect to something else that helps you uh, build your business or your brand or your practice or whatever that looks like for you. So you have to think about it as a vehicle, not as a destination. Okay. So to spread your message, you've written content. It's taken different forms, online courses, books, and so on. Uh, the Institute, I, you, you mentioned the words certifying body. Is that right? Your Institute actually has its own certifying element where you're certifying clients on the back of your program. In the in in the specific uh, case of the Remote Leadership Institute, uh, I was using that that phrase a little bit uh, loosely uh, just to con- to describe you know the which side of that equation you're on, Mark. But we do have a a, a workshop, a virtually delivered workshop that we call the Remote Leadership Certificate Series, in t- in conjunction with the 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 idea of an institute of having a certificate. Now that's not for trainers that's for learners for leaders specifically but we so we do have that component now and the bud to boss part of our business we do have a certified trainer process where we can certify trainers both inside of organizations as well as independent trainers who want to go out and deliver our content uh in to their market was that um was that arduous and tough to do to come up with a certification program for external trainers? Well, the good news is that uh, there's two pieces of good news. Back earlier when I said I was, when I was at Chevron, I was responsible for training trainers worldwide. So I have a lot of experience at, uh, at training trainers and at that idea of a trainer certification process, which I've done a lot in the past. So we knew sort of how to make that happen. And because I've been that trainer, right, we sort of know who those folks are and what some of their needs might be. So what we try to do is if, if we have folks that are interested in doing that is to, to not only help them get really skilled at this content, which is sol- rock solid, but also to help them think about how they can market themselves to sell that in the marketplace. So you talked about um, replicating yourself. So we can't necessarily find people who'll do the same training program that we've designed and deliver it the same way we deliver it. We simply need to find people who are good enough. What was your experience of finding associates, people who could deliver your programs to a good enough level under the Kevin Eikenberry brand? 
Well, let me start by talking about that word good enough. I think the key here is to recognize that there's no perfect trainer and there's no perfect style for a trainer. So while my style might be a certain way, I can tell you that I have others that I work with that um, their styles are very different than mine and they are yet, yet they are extremely talented and successful. So I wasn't trying to find people that were like me. I was trying to find people that number one had solid training skills. Number two, that cared about learning the way we do. And that number three, bought into our business model of, uh, of who the client belongs to and how we can work together for everyone's mutual benefit. And really, the third one might almost be the most important first one. So we've had good success in finding some of those folks, Mark. In fact, quite honestly, it's I'm excited to be talking about this today because I'd be interested in hearing from some folks who might be interested uh, in doing some training with us, uh, perhaps down the road. So uh, we'll give you a way to connect with me there before we're done. Uh, but fundamentally, um, uh, I got past the fact that I didn't want people to be like me, but rather I wanted them to be very good at facilitating learning and the style mattered less than the results. So um, kind of off the record here, but we're on the record because we're recording here. Were, were there <laughs> were there good experiences and bad experiences with finding people who whom you felt were good enough to work under your brand? You know, we really haven't had any bad experiences. I think it's because we've been um, careful and cautious and and really worked to build relationship first uh, and and making sure that there was a there was a, a a sort of a a connection in terms of what mattered to us and, and and making sure that what we needed matched up with what the the trainer needed as well. So we've, we think of it as a partnership and we hope it's a long-term partnership. So we've just gone slowly and carefully in that regard and um, and we haven't really had any don't we don't have any major major horror stories. What did you have to let go of because the 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 goal here I guess is to free yourself up to focus on more high value tasks, perhaps higher paying clients or more strategic tasks. What did you forsake or just decide you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to outsource this to a VA or to someone who looks after ops. Well, we've been, it's been a while I've been there. I mean, my team would probably say, Kevin, there's still some stuff you should let go of, which is probably true. Uh, but ultimately, you know, when I recognize our overall mission and what we're really trying to accomplish, what I believe, Mark, I was put on this planet to do, and that I have to know I can't do it all. So I need to try to do the things that I'm best at, the things that I bring the greatest value to the team in doing. And so uh, that means, you know, as any, I think any effective leader thinks about the bigger picture and more than more than just themselves. And so uh, I, I just I try to practice what we preach every day uh, as a leader. And that means that I sometimes have to let go of some things that perhaps I could do just fine, maybe even do better depending on what better actually means. But the reality is, what's the good enough for that piece of, of the business? And, and, and sometimes we have to let go of the good to make time for the best. So people listening to this right now might think, okay, I'm a, I'm a brand of one. I'm just me and my clients. Where should I start to, to be building this vehicle, which is not something that requires me all the time? 
it's it involves me, but I'm not necessarily the person, as you said, rightfully, working in the business, but I'm working on the business. So it's something bigger than me. Where would someone start with that process? Well, you have to create enough of a brand. You have to create some something, some platform that um, that attracts people so that there's a need for more than just you, right? So I, I would say, I said for years that I wish I would have started to blog sooner, even though I've been blogging since 1994. Uh, and I think it's 1994, something like that. That's um, a long time. <laughs> That's a long time. If I were starting today, what I would say is that you've got to focus on your platform every day, which whether that's deciding to do, Mark, what you've done, which is to podcast, or whether that's to blog, whether I don't know what that if it's video, um, if it's a newsletter, if it's uh, posting regularly, consistently and thoughtfully on LinkedIn, whatever it is, or in, in our case, it's all of those things. Um, it's being clear about the fact that if we don't create a platform, we probably can never get to the place where we need other help uh, beyond ourselves, especially other help in terms of delivery, right? We might get to the place where we want some help in terms of some admin work or some operations work. But in terms of getting to the place where we might want to replicate ourselves, we have to have a platform that will create the need for that before we could ever get there. So what are the components of the platform? You, we've talked about a couple of things. We've mentioned your book. You've written how many books so far? I think I'm an author or contributing author to 19, Mark. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of books. Okay. Well, some, some of those are just a single chapter or whatever, right? But, um, but yeah, it is a lot. But here's the thing. You start, right? I've also been doing this for a while. So the thing is to start. And, you know, it's never been easier it's never been easier to be published. It's never been easier to get your thinking out in the world, whether that's with a blog, whether that's with video, whether that's uh, whatever that might be, whether it's a podcast, right? Like it is not hard to start. So what you want to do is figure out a place to start and think about who your market is and where they are looking and where where they are consuming content and go there. And if you don't know how to do those things well enough yet, there's plenty of online resources to help you get there. Mark, probably some of your past guests will help them get there as well. Yeah, quite a few people are quite happy staying at uh, you know the power of one. They're happy to be the person who does the admin because they love the admin, they love the billing, they love the marketing, they love the design. However, there is an argument which suggests that if you want to capitalize on your IP and your ideas, if you're doing all of those things, what I think some people call non-IGAs, non-income generating activities, there's a cost to the business. Because when you're not making money, you're actually, in a way, costing the business money. Would you agree with that? 100%. And, and it, it's all our choices, right? It, the, the, you know, what, what Mark and I are doing for you, everybody today, is helping you to frame the choices for you to make. I'm not making any judgments about what you choose, uh, but rather, to. I just hope that you make a conscious choice. Mm. So, I mean, you've got lots of parts to the business, which we've agreed. You've mentioned disk assessment, frontline leadership, uh, the Institute, you've got your own brands. How do you prioritize those? If I said to you in a given day, where do you focus your attention on which parts of the business and why? Well, I, I'm always looking at our strategies to say, where are we, where are we headed into the future, but also where are we headed, you know, this quarter. A and so we've got a pretty clear picture of what we're trying to accomplish at any given time. Now, having said that, two things 
can happen. Number one is a pandemic can happen um, where all of the sudden, you know, uh, the the power of four parts of a business became very clear to my team because I showed them the numbers in the middle of uh, in the middle of 2020 and said, uh, if we didn't have the Remote Leadership Institute, most of you wouldn't be here. Because, you know, that part of the business did exceptionally well, and not surprisingly, um, in the last year and a half, other parts of the business now recovering, but not quite so well. No one was worried about training their new supervisors in the middle of the pandemic, but they certainly were thinking about it. What do we need to do for our remote leaders and for our, our teams? So, you know, having ha- having some... So, so I say that to say that I'm focusing on our strategies and our projects, but I'm also always looking at what's the opportunity that we ought to be looking at, right? And so, you know, once I had the good fortune to get the chance to deliver a LinkedIn learning course, which is how you and I found each other, um, you know, once we knew that that really worked for us and our business and that the folks at LinkedIn Learning liked uh, working with me, then that became a higher, uh, more important piece of the, uh, you know, priorities uh, because we found something new that worked. So, you know, we've got to we've got to have a strategy, but we've got to be open to what the opportunities put in front of us that might require a change. OK, Kevin, it's been great having you on the show today. Where can people find out more about you and your business? Yeah, they can go to Kevin Eikenberry, K-E-V-I-N-E-I-K-E-N-B as in boy, E-R-R-Y.com. It's probably the simplest place to go. And if you, seriously, if you are interested in the possibility of either perhaps um, training some of our content in your own business or perhaps becoming a partner with us, I'd love to talk to you. And you can send me an email to info at KevinEikenberry.com or connect with me on LinkedIn as Mark did, it would be a great way to do that. I'd love to be connected with you there. Just let me know how you found me, and I'd love to chat. Great. Thanks, Kevin. My sincere thanks to Kevin for being my guest today on the show and sharing his 28 years of experience, helping you to not just grow a business, start a business, but to scale that business. And if you'd like more episodes like this one today, please subscribe to your podcast platform of choice. You'll find the Training Business Podcast episodes every single Thursday, past, present, and future, without fail. And I'd love to know that you're finding value in these episodes. So please write to me. I'd love to hear from you individually. Perhaps you have ideas for guests or content, topics, etc. There are great plans for our brand, trainingbusiness.com. Perhaps you'd love to submit an article which explains to the world exactly what your business does. Perhaps you have ideas for content, as I've said. But either way, I would love to hear from you. I will reply individually. I read all emails personally and, of course, will do my best to help you if you've got a question. Until next Thursday, please tune in next Thursday and spread the word about the podcast. You can find out about uh, episodes, as I said, past, present and future by visiting trainingbusiness.com. But until next week, look after your team, yourself. Keep selling, keep going. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.